0: To be all right!
1: Hello, and welcome to All Through a Lens. This is the podcast about film photography, where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Vanya.
2: And I'm Eric. We have a different sort of show for you today, don't we, Vanya? Yes, we do. It's very, very new. It's new. It's new-ish. It is uh, not a main episode. We're calling them the odd episodes since they fall on- Because we are odd. Odd number. And we are odd. Maybe some of us more than others. Pointing at you. We'll let you decide. Uh, This is sort of a live without an edit kind of show. We will see where it goes. We have some definite ideas for future shows. Right now, it is a family show with just me and Vanya.
1: Yes. Well, and Bodhi in the background snoring, possibly. So I apologize to anyone. Um, He's a pug and cannot breathe right, ever.
2: That is true. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll just have him in there as a little guest. Well, uh, Okay. We are recording on a wonderful Friday night. It's beautiful and rainy in Seattle. How how are things going for you, Vanya?
1: Pretty good, actually. I did kind of like a huge clean in my living room and repotted some plants and oh. clean leaves and swept under the rug like some crazy cleaning today. So I feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I almost have my living room kind of back to where I want it, which is really nice. I've been not here, and I have kids. Uh, My son just moved back in because he hurt his shoulder, so he's going to be living with me for the next couple months. So full house and a little bit wild. So um, it's good, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You developed some stuff today, didn't you? Or did you get... No, you got... Photos from a lab.
1: I did. And I not I feel like a fancy person right now. Wow. Um, it was not cheap, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> if I wasn't getting paid for it, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I did promise myself that when I am working for money, that I should get them professionally developed and scanned because I just need to basically... <clears throat> make more time for other things in my life and as much as I love developing I think I'm just going to develop my own personal work and stuff for the podcast and keep all my job stuff separate from that um, it keeps things a little bit more organized for myself and honestly they did an amazing job I went to Icon LA Ooh, uh, shout out Icon LA it's off of uh, Wilshire, is what I like to say, and um, yeah, it's they did such a great job. I dropped it off, I think, on Monday, and I got them this morning. Uh, I'm just so happy with them. It was like five or six rolls. Most of them were 220. Most of them were expired, and they all basically came out kind of amazing. So, um,
2: you sent me mm. a couple of, uh, of images, actually a half dozen or so, and. Mm-hmm. There were some that were just among your best ever as far as color surf photography go. And actually, that's you. So among your best ever, period. Mm -hmm. Really, really good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's there's something about someone else scanning your stuff. It's almost like when you get a sandwich made instead of making a sandwich, you know, it's like. When you make yourself a sandwich, you kind of familiarize the smells of a sandwich and what it's going to taste like. But if someone else makes you a sandwich, you're experiencing that sandwich for the first time and all those smells. And that's kind of what my film <laughs> was like when I got a, a, my email today.
2: <laughs> Do you just order like mystery sandwiches? Is like, just make me a sandwich, don't tell me what it is?
1: No. I, I Have you just... When someone makes you a sandwich, it always – you can make the fucking sandwich yourself, but when someone makes you a sandwich, it's way better. You don't think that? I
2: I mean, I'm not a big sandwich guy, so I'm so fucking picky.
1: I know. You're the worst. Okay, well, I'm just telling you that is definitely, like, some weird thing in your head as far as, like, people making you something. It's obviously them making you it, so it's very sweet that someone made you something and Absolutely. you should be thankful. And then also you get to eat a delicious sandwich.
2: Yeah, but they so. always put like onions in it. I fucking hate onions.
1: Dude, onions are the best. Red onions in a sandwich. Come on. I don't like them. You? Yeah. Well, you are a weird person. And I think we've picked the odd one for the odd episode. And it's going to be you this time.
2: Do we pick a, a new odd person each odd episode?
1: I think so. Okay. I'm down with so that. So right now you're winning. <laughs>
2: We'll, we'll see, see how it ends, winning. though.
1: Yes, true. So anyways, enough about sandwiches. Even though now I'm kind of hungry for a fucking sandwich, damn it. I could go for a sandwich. Um, I know. Grilled cheese, actually.
2: Make me a sandwich.
1: Ooh. Make me a damn sandwich.
2: <laughs> we had an episode called that at one point.
1: Yeah, make me a make sandwich. Make me a sandwich.
2: That was a Jimmy Stewart line from, was it called Northside777? Yes. Or was, was it a line or was it a line that was invented? it might episode. have been a
1: line that was invented by the um cameradactyl dude guy bro from uh New Mexico
2: actually yeah it may have been him i mean it was definitely him who said it mhm it was i don't think it was, it was oh i don't know was it in the
1: movie i i'm not sure but it should have been if not because <laughs> it's a beautiful line and i think about it all the time I do it's too. one of my most memorable <laughs> things that a guest have said on the podcast make me a make sandwich, me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they're they're actually at the local theater they're playing call Northside side seven 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 next week
1: oh sick yeah that's i really might cool. see it. i don't know Ooh, we're definitely gonna talk about movies on this odd episode also that's true we didn't so tell anybody
2: what's exciting. coming up
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is
2: maybe my fault probably my fault
0: no,
1: so yeah, yet.
2: we've got um, Vanya's going to talk about her her Santa Cruz trip a little bit. If you're a mm-hmm. Patreon subscriber, you got the long version. This is the short version with a few extra like bonus tracks.
0: Those mm-hmm.
2: so are the hidden ones. That you have to like fast forward to the last track to get.
1: You don't fast forward. You just play it until it plays. Yeah, yeah but the fast- secret song.
2: You fast-forward it.
1: The secret song.
2: You, have, you can fast-forward it, though.
1: No. That 20
2: minutes of silence isn't doing anybody anything. Oh, my
1: gosh. Seriously. And then
2: me. we'll be talking about a movie called Godland. It's an Icelandic movie about a photographer, basically. We'll get to that yeah. when we get to that. But we did promise that... Well, actually, I should probably tell you what I've been doing for the past few
1: Yeah, you... If you would just shut up, I could ask you. So Eric. Yes. You did mention it was rainy, a beautiful rainy day in Seattle. Um, But tell us what else you've been up to.
2: I developed the last eight sheets of Fomapan 100 from my July trip.
0: Ooh.
1: Finally.
2: (laughs) I still have got some color, but I developed four of them in 510 Pyro. And I really like it. I don't know if I'll like the scans but I really liked the look of the negatives because it's it's pyro, so it's staining a little bit. Yes. And I did the other four in F76 Plus, which is F8 1027, mm-hmm. which is my favorite developer for, for, um, from a for Pan 100. Ma. And I haven't scanned them yet, but I can tell that the ones I developed in F76 are going to be darker. So I'm wondering if I need to adjust the speed a little bit going between those two developers, which is possible. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I have a question. Oh, um, yes. So with the Pyro, this is the version where you actually save the developer on the side and then you add it back in at the end.
2: Nope. That is PMK. Okay.
1: Gotcha. This is, so this is
2: 510, 5.10 Pyro, which is like the new one.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. Yes.
2: And we did, a, we did an episode or two about it. Uh, and are you printing.
1: adjusting for that developer?
2: No, I'm not doing anything but using it. OK, I really like it. I love it with HP five. I like it a lot with HP five at 1600, but it takes 28 minutes to develop that shit.
1: Yeah, it's a long time. It's a
2: long time. Well, I sure... watch
1: one of your sitcoms that you like and develop at the same time.
2: I could. It's not like a, a 28 minute stand develop either. It's 28 mil- minutes and you got a baby the damn thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see, uh, so yeah, usually pyros are a little finicky. It's like, agitate four seconds every five seconds. Well, this <laughs> is, this,
2: thankfully, this is a normal agitation.
1: Oh, good. So, But it's oh, still, you
2: gotta do it every minute. And it's, uh, it's, it's needy. It's such a needy developer, but I, I really like it. No offense to anybody who makes it and is also listening. I, I really like the developer a lot, and I'm glad. I have it in my arsenal. Second bottle. Wonderful. Yes. So as we promised in the last episode from last week, we had too many uh, answering machine messages and we had to have some of them spill over to this episode. And we're not going to be doing these in the same way that we do the regular answering machine episode. Basically,
1: we're going to sprinkle them in kind of throughout the episode which I'm going to really like.
2: Yeah. So we were going to start with the first one from Ariella and it's it's always really wonderful to hear from her. So let's hear from her.
1: I think my answer would be a two part answer. One if I don't waste any film or if I waste less film. So there's more keepers and goners and ultimately leads to the second part of the
2: answer which is i have more images that i want to print and now that i've started printing in a dark room and i've also started printing with a large format printer you know it's
1: exciting when you have these images that you especially once that you want to print big and so um it's a different feeling now than it was for
2: me like looking at my photography like a year or two ago. And so I guess in that way, that's kind of how I want to improve as a photographer. Well, having, I've noticed a lot of people talking about printing lately and maybe it was just the folks that were getting calling in but a lot of people are turning to printing now. And I don't mean printing on a printer, but actually in a dark room. I think that's what she's talking about. Though she is also doing a lot of digital printing. So I'm not sure what she's talking about. But having more keepers, that's, that's, there's such a, a long and, and weird path to get to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What's your path to get to more keepers? <laughs> Shoot less?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Shoot less. I, with film being the way it is, it's so expensive. It's, it's going to be difficult to get lots of keepers. But also I do want to mention the reason why I don't shoot digital anymore is because I had too many keepers and I can't not delete. Like I can't delete things. It's really difficult and I overshoot. So if I do like, a shoot with somebody and I come back with 500 images, it's going to take me a long time to kind of go through them. And I end up actually keeping kind of a side file of the ones that are a little odd because I feel like there's something about them that I'm probably going to like in a year or two. So it's really, really <laughs> difficult to really decide what are what are my keepers and what do those look like compared to others? I mean, even um, some of the images that I just received. There's a couple that are of like strangers that I don't know that are surfing and they're blurry. And I added them to my website as a picture because it's a kind of like an amazing image. You don't really need to see the guy. You could see his silhouette and it's soft and fuzzy and beautiful. So that would be a keeper for me. I don't, I think it's kind of uh depending on what you're looking for
2: you could have more keepers by just lowering your standards
1: yeah see that's what you know what honestly that's the best thing to do let me tell you you guys because I mean, you're talking about s- having
2: less keepers like that it would be better to have less keepers and and maybe you're right
1: yeah I mean when I even when I Posted my picture, the, f- the first one of the series, I was, like, not expecting anything from that Minolta roll. And honestly, I think I even talked to you that day that I was going to shoot it. And you're like, oh, what are you going to shoot? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to shoot this, like, roll of uh, Kanaka Minolta 400. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's going to be fucking blotchy and gross. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And honestly... I'm glad that I thought that because it's not that. And I am so happy with how it came out. It came out fucking beautiful. And it's it's kind of like pessimistic. Like I, I don't ever expect, I try my hardest not to expect great stuff. Because then you're always surprised. Lower your standards See, just a tiny my, bit and then you're happy.
2: That's my <laughs> philosophy. I call it defensive pessimism. I don't know if I coined the term. I don't know. But yeah, you expect, not expect the worst, because that's just being depressing, but you expect that, okay, this probably won't turn out. And so when it does, yes, like you said, you're happy. And if it doesn't turn out, like, well, yeah, okay. That's what I I was
1: expecting it to be blotchy and gross, and it came out better than blotchy and gross, so I'm pretty happy.
2: I'm surprised. Minolta... Well, not Minolta necessarily, but Konica, maybe before they were bought out by Minolta, the film they produced then may have been amazing at the time. I don't know. But now it is a blotchy mess.
1: Yeah. I don't know what they did with their magical powers, but they, again, that lab really, really made me look like a good photographer somehow. Also, um... you know, (laughs) If you want more keepers, send send your images to a lab and have them scan it. So then it's like eating a sandwich from somebody else.
2: I I guess it is. <laughs> I haven't sent my stuff to a lab in a long, long time.
1: It was kind of nice. I, f- I again, like I felt like I was like valeting my car. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, like my, and I have d- had to because. I live in Los Angeles, and places like will force you to valet. And I've had to bring the Volvo, and I'm like, "Do you know how to drive stick? Can you valet this thing?" I don't <laughs> have the club with me, but you know, it's a cold start or whatever. So that's kind of what it felt like. I like rolled in there with my old 220 rolls, like, "Hey guys, you guys still develop in Fuji Chrome?" And they're like, "Fuck yeah, we do. We're the only ones that do." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> let's let's get this done."
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. I can't really say anything more to that. So let's just move on.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Ariella.
2: Vanya, you recently went to and returned from Santa Cruz.
1: I did. I would love to just never come back and just live there if I could. But okay. Unfortunately, like most towns in California, it is like far too expensive for me to live there. There is no possible way that I could afford it. And that is really sad because it is kind of fantastic there.
2: Okay. So you were there doing a project and like I said before, you did explain it uh, to our patron subscribers, but do a quick explanation for the rest of us.
1: Okay. So basically I am following two female surfers around who are also artists and practice art as jobs uh, who have been through some trauma in their life, uh, either sexual assault or domestic violence or something like that. And basically uh, we are making a 25, 30 minute creative surf slash art film kind of about healing um, with surfing and healing with creating art, like painting and such, uh, this is kind of right up my alley because I I, I do use the ocean um, to heal so much. And I know that if I get in the water, I will feel better. So this is like, right. <laughs> and this is the perfect thing for me, especially in the moment in my life that I'm in right now. So, I'm really really excited about it. I'm shooting uh super 8 uh with a U-Magnatica in the water and I am shooting with my Pentax 645 and and the water housing that uh Kelly uh Dave Kelly in Australia made for me. So, super stoked. Also, my friend Brandon let me borrow his I think it's like a Sony mirrorless thing with a homemade water housing that's actually kind of cool
2: is it just a ziplock bag big enough to fit the camera and no
1: no Damn it's it. like someone handmade this housing it's it's pretty impressive like someone made it <laughs> it okay. looks good i should take some pictures of it it's it's pretty neat uh so yeah that's a a small digital camera and um i'm using that as a backup and I have feelings about it. What I are think your feelings it very, about it? <laughs> I think it's very sweet that um, someone actually trusts me with it. It's a little terrifying, to be honest, uh, <laughs> that I'm gonna break it. He did mention if I broke it, it was okay. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Now you uh, have to
2: break it. Like it's Keith sitting. Moon it's style. like
1: it's been sitting. Not. It's been collecting dust. He doesn't use it, so it's fine. It's a backup. It's not something that I could technically carry with me with the other cameras. That would be insane. I would need to grow another arm, which I am looking into, honestly, because I need one. I think I should just be an octopus. So um, I just, like, started using it the first day, and I didn't use it the rest of the time I was there, (laughs)
2: okay so okay you you haven't (laughs) since i've known you which is about four years you haven't shot much digital at all here and there you will and so here is one of those times what's that like compared to film and that's a that's a uh, a dumb question maybe
1: well it does feel like a little bit like cheating it was i just have it set on auto because i don't fucking know how to use it um there is some adjustments that I can use. And a lot of water housings, like if you just get a basic water housing, you're not going to have a lot of switches to adjust ISO or, you know, your f-stop settings, speed, things like that. Uh, my Pentax has a few of those things. I even have the feature to like put it on autofocus or to manually focus it but those were all like intentionally done because i did want to spend the money to make sure that i could change things because i was going to be shooting with film the great thing about the sony mirrorless uh, one positive is that i could just like stick it on auto and it'll just like do what it does and then in post i could manipulate it in any way possible um the the way that it focuses is a little bit odd and i think because the housing is a homemade housing i'm having a little bit of difficulty getting the correct like focus range for myself okay um i think that also has to do with it being on auto i think i should probably adjust it a little bit better than just sticking it (laughs) on (laughs) auto um but again, it's like a backup, and I think that it will be useful in its own way, but I do feel like it's not the project yeah it's not part of the project. it's almost like more extra behind the scenes stuff
2: okay so these these the, the like the footage you you shoot with the digital won't appear in the final film.
1: More than likely it will not. I'm hoping there is gonna be another videographer and he has a he's a photographer in Santa Cruz. I can't I don't know for sure if he's on the project or not, so I'm not gonna say who he is, but he uh, has a drone and all sorts of fun stuff okay. so he shoots digital and that will end up in the film possibly um, but as far as my footage, I would really like to kind of keep to what is my deal and that (laughs) is film um i feel like i need to be true to the project in a way um as both of the women in in the project as well it's it's almost like kind of like camaraderie i guess in, in in that sense
2: yeah you also shot polaroid there right
1: i did yeah so the trip Up to Crescent City, I went to this little like antique store in Brookings that I really wanted to go to. I hadn't been there since I was like fifteen. I bought a Holly Hobby lunch pail there the last time I went, like one of those old like tin. It was a. I still have it. It's like a Holly Hobby,
2: like a lunch, like a metal lunchbox. Yes. Brookings is that the one with like the 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 Paul Bunyan statue?
1: No, no, that's Klamath. Okay, Uh, Brookings is. Like Chetco Brookings is the first town on the Oregon coast of California if oh. you drive up north on the 101.
2: We went to a cafe there.
1: Yes, it's also where that big ass fucking sinkhole was like 2 years, you know that big storm and like the road caved in oh. on the 101 okay. that was
2: there. Okay.
1: <laughs> I think about that every time I'm there.
2: Was that before uh, we went there or after?
1: After. Huh? It's been that long. Okay. Or maybe before. I don't it, know. It has I can't to be remember. one of them. It was either before or after, for
2: sure. Cool. Thanks.
1: Well, so the antique store was a place that I remember. I was like, I know it's around here somewhere. I'm going to find it. I did end up finding it. It's new owners, uh, and they're actually pretty amazing. They had this camera, and it was so amazing. <laughs> it was called the Vagabond. And I was like, Oh my God, I need this camera. Like, I just want to leave it in my car. Like, it's so cute, but it didn't pass the test. The shutter, like I opened it up and made, tried to see if the shutter was going to open and close and it doesn't. And Ooh. I've been trying to be better about not purchasing cameras that w- the shutter doesn't work.
2: It's a good, it's, a,
1: <laughs> it's a hey. good
2: philosophy to have.
1: It really is. <laughs> she wanted to give me the camera. And I was like, no, I, I was like, I would feel like, no, I can't do it, but thank you. Which what, now what? I kind of slightly regret.
2: What was it? A vagabond?
1: Yeah, the, the vagabond and it had the flash unit like included. It was the shit. It was amazing. <laughs> <Okay. sighs> I love that fucking thing. So anyways, I didn't, I ended up not getting it, <laughs> but I did end up getting a Polaroid like 600, whatever, you know, just this, Regular old 600s. And, uh, I love it. And I've been shooting with it here and there. I kind of figured out how to work it. It's, it's an interesting one. Uh, you kind of have to like hold down the button and wait for it to be ready for you, which I kind of like. Uh, and then you could shoot. It's like, it'll tell you when, when it's, when it's ready. And I like that. Uh, (laughs) so I'm like, okay, hold on. We're going to be here for a minute because it's, it's not going to shoot until it is ready to. It's so. not
2: one of the qualities I like in a camera, but not everybody it's, is me.
1: Yeah. it's So basically, I decided to bring it with me. I had bought some film at uh, Walmart when I was up in Crescent City. Shout out to Walmart. <laughs> the yeah, Wally hey, World. Walmart, you're <laughs>
2: listening. Uh, we'd love a sponsor. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh,
1: so yeah, I I brought the, the film up and I decided to shoot a little bit with uh, While I was there and I shot a few pictures before the project of just me like roaming around and then I started shooting the girls or the women and I realized that I was documenting me documenting and I was like really into it and I had saved all the photos I took of them with the Polaroid and before I left I showed them to to them like, hey, I wanted to show you the Polaroids I've taken. I'm going to keep these, but I'll scan them and send you a copy. Um, and maybe at the end of the project, I'll make you a little book with all these images. And it was such a neat way to show them kind of my vision and what I'm going for. Because the one thing <laughs> that we can all agree on with film is sometimes it's really hard to get people to understand or trust you and like what you're doing. And the Polaroids actually really helped me kind of show what the vibe I was kind (laughs) of like going for. And it made them excited. They're like, oh, my God, these are amazing. Like, this makes me so excited about the project. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this is going to be – I was like, it'll be like a little wedding album, you know? Like, this will be something that I'll do. And then I kind of walked away from it like, this is is what I'm going to do for every project. I'm going to bring a Polaroid camera and at least shoot like one or two packs of film and have that on the side as – like a little something extra for, you know, the client, which I think is kind of a little special. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of was kind of cute. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, they seem to like it, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the pictures. I thought yeah. the pictures were really nice.
2: Uh, when are you going up next?
1: I'm hoping next month, honestly. Cool. I would like to go once a month forever. <laughs>
2: okay. That's doable, I guess, right? It's not that far yeah.
1: away. Oh, my God. It's not. And, like, she lives in the fucking forest. She lives in the forest in, a, like, this gated <laughs> this gated area <laughs> with, like, a... It's kind of hippie commune Um It's got, like, a dome house. It has, like, a school bus, naturally and it's she lives in a mud hut um there's trails everywhere it's fantastic so I've been parking my van up on the like top road dirt road and just like camping there at night and I'm the invite is like I just don't want to I don't want to ruin this because I want to (laughs) go all the time it's so great I'm like I can I have a free place to camp this is fantastic I just need to afford the gas to get there
2: well, that sounds great. I mean, it sounds sounds kinda crunchy, but it, it sounds great. It's
1: it's super <laughs> crunchy. Also, didn't go to the didn't go to the dome house basically the entire time I was there until the night before I left. Uh, she sent me a message like, Hey, um, because it's been a few days, you guys. Do you need a shower? And I was like, Yeah, actually a shower would be nice because when you're van camping and getting in the water, like twice a day, you tend to get a little salty.
2: <laughs> that is true.
1: So I was a little on the grimy side, but I was sleeping by myself. No one cares. But I was like, that would be amazing. I'm coming down. So I went down there and got to meet um, one of the artists that live live in the dome house. She was naturally painting in the living room with the fire going. It was just, it was like a dream. <laughs> I was I seriously, if I had a ring, I would probably just be like, Will you marry me? Because I'm gonna live here now with you, and I will make you banana bread every single day. Make with a walnuts, sandwich. And I'll make you sandwiches, Jesus. of
2: course. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds great. Um and this will be out, you said um when? Summer?
1: Summer, hopefully August. <laughs> um so with that. Uh, we were supposed to start like a month ago, if not two months ago, but there was a huge, like, there's just tons of storms that have happened. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard the news, but like basically Santa Cruz, like the, <laughs> one of the piers washed away. Like it was a little intense. So it was not something I wanted to swim in. I, uh, had to wait. So it's, it's been stalled a little Uh, we're not exactly behind schedule but i'm really hoping that by august we'll have it all set i will like i said i'll be up there at least two or three more i'm hoping two or three or a million times so um i will know more soon
3: well
2: here's to knowing more soon yeah. Why don't we cap this off with another answering machine message? Yeah. This one from J. David. Have we ever actually said his last name? J. David Tabor? Is it Tabor, do you think? Tabor. 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 J. It's, it's probably J. J. David.
1: I don't know. I I don't know how to say it. But I'm so sorry, David, for ruining
2: your last name. So what it means to me right now is I'm trying to take more well-exposed photos all throughout the entire uh, roll of negatives um, because it helps printing. And I'm trying to improve my printing. So I'm trying to improve my shooting. Um, I know it sounds really simple, but I think I've gotten better over the year or so. And I want to improve on consistency. Um, and what that looks like to me might be different to somebody else. But for me right now, it's just very even shots throughout a role. How do you feel with consistency?
1: I I think I know exactly what he's talking about, especially with printing. You want to get that good contact sheet. You want a good, even roll. Everything pretty uniform so that your filters and your timing is kind of around the same. You don't have to adjust things too much. And you can kind of print through the entire roll fairly, like, simply, I guess, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um I think it's Ansel Adams that said to shoot for the print, right? Is that what it
2: is? Uh, he may have? It seems very uh, simple.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that when you start printing on your own, it really opens up uh, the way that you shoot a lot more. And I think it's great what he's doing. Um, printing your work is something everybody should be able to have the opportunity to do if you haven't and i do definitely think that it would improve your photography.
2: Yeah, i think so. I mean, i haven't really done it as far as like darkroom printing. Obviously, i print my work, but just not in the darkroom. But even, you know, if you don't have access to a darkroom, getting prints made, they're 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 really cheap compared to, i mean, they're not like photomat cheap, but you can get a decent print for for pretty cheaply made, right?
1: Mhm. I was I was yeah, so absolutely.
2: Pick like 20 or so of your photos, your favorites or whatever, and get them printed, you know? Just just cuz. Just cuz.
1: Dude, I received a a print today in the mail. Okay. It was from David Fry. He printed one of my images oh. and it was an image that I took at Channel Street of an empty chair, and I don't know how he knew time-wise that I needed that print today. But it was like the sweetest thing. It w- it's like huge print, and it has like kind of the brush strokes on the side. It's just, it's stunning. I can't wait to really like talk to him about it. Kind of want him to just print my stuff for now on <laughs> because it's really
3: good. I what like kind
2: of, what kind of print was it? Um. It's okay to not know. I don't know. It's okay. I'm
1: sorry. It's okay. I don't. I he wrote he wrote me a long letter and I've read it, but I have to read it like five more times because you know how my brain works. I do. <laughs> but he did apologize a million times. Like I'm not, I'm not printing your stuff and selling it. Like I hope I didn't step on your toes. I was like, dude, <laughs> it's like you literally printed one of my images and sent to me. That's like the nicest thing anybody's ever done. It was so sweet. That's really so, cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, So yeah, thank you, David.
2: We had two Davids.
1: Whoa. It was. It was two Davids.
2: Okay, we saw the movie Godland. It is a new film directed by Alina Palmason, And... We both saw it in the theater, because right now that's the only place you can see it, and it's in those little, you know, kind of small artsy theaters. Vanya, what did you think? (laughs) I was really nervous about you seeing this.
1: Yeah, well, not only did what I thought, I I decided to bring my 15-year-old daughter with me, too. Uh, (laughs) So that was uh, a bit interesting, but I actually really enjoyed it. I was... I purposely waited till I was ready to watch it. Eric seems to think that I just can watch a movie at any time, and that's just not how it works for me. So I definitely like had to be ready for it. I prepared myself. I knew I was going to have to sit there for a long time, so I tried my best. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, like, I,
2: and I did it, you guys. <laughs> it's like two hours, 20 minutes. It is a sit. Yeah. It yeah. Is. My initial thought, like initially when I got out of the theater, I... Don't, I was a little disappointed in a way. Mm. I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I, was, I wasn't I was really sure what to make of it. Huh. I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to see this again, which I did. And I need to really sit on it and think about it, which I did. And now I really, really love it. So mm-hmm. let's tell you the plot of this so we can talk about it. Because I, I really want to talk about it. It's, I think it's a very important film. Okay, In the 1890s, Lucas, a photographer and a priest with the Danish church, is tasked with establishing a church in Iceland. Rather than taking a boat to his destination, he wants to travel across the island on horseback to photograph the people and the land. That's what he says. He is joined by a translator and a half dozen or so Icelandic people, led by an older man named Ragnar who are sent to help him set up and build the church. Lucas was warned that the trip would be difficult, but because of the weather and constant daylight and the terrain, it is much more difficult than he expected. They uh, they must cross a raging river before continuing on. Ragnar says that they should wait a couple of days, but Lucas insists on crossing immediately. In the crossing, they lose the cross, which is strapped to a horse's back, as well as the translator who was just on a horseback for a little bit. (laughs) Following the death of the translator, Lucas loses hope and possibly his faith in God and continues on. Once at the destination where they're going to build the church, he's taken in by an Icelandic family. The father is very wary of him. The youngest daughter seems to like him and the oldest daughter kind of falls for him in a way. But as time goes on, Lucas changes from being unable to mix with the locals, to simply refusing to. And then things turn dark. We will not be spoiling the ending of the movie, even though it's not really a spoilable movie for the most part. But we will refrain from that. If you don't want to hear anything about the movie, I don't know why you're listening. So, okay. Did you catch the title card right at the beginning of the movie? It explains, like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that this is based on a true story. Yes. Okay. That is not true.
1: (laughs) Well, it didn't say that. It said that they made a movie to follow the photos that they had found. Yes. Supposedly. Those photos don't exist. They don't? (laughs) They don't damn it <laughs> they do not exist
2: but they did take them they okay. actually took those photos while they were filming
1: uh glass plates you mean on glass plates yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, like with this the way the the old ways of the of the 1890s of the
2: uh, yes in the old ways of the
1: 1890s oh that's fantastic i fucking dude who else did that Ugh. It was, it was that, like, stupid alien movie. They're like, oh, this was based on real events. You're like, oh, scary. No, it's not. It's not. I can't trust anything.
2: You can't. I mean, Spinal Tap, <sighs> not even a little real. What's the it's world coming time. to? <laughs> so, on the surface, it's a story of a priest going into a new land and setting up a church where the people don't really want him to be
1: there. Hashtag colonizer.
2: And it's about colonization and 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 imperialism from the Icelandic point of view. And at that point in history, Denmark was still in control of Iceland, though they had given Iceland a lot of home rule. And so a priest from the church of well, the, the Denmark church um, coming in, they didn't really want that. They were really happy and they're like, OK, God's over there. Hey, God, what's up? ways
1: yeah not yeah in i their, could see that you
2: must be christian ways
1: well yeah just ugh, religion colonization in general it is an interesting perspective because i didn't learn about any of this uh because i went to public school in america so uh the only type of colonization that i really know is the stuff that i know from school and you know the native americans that lived here in the united states but yeah i mean it's it it happened everywhere it happened in india it happened in africa it happened everywhere we just people just seem to know the religion and they think they're right and everybody else is wrong and savages and they need to change everybody
2: yeah and (laughs) constantly the thing that and we're jumping ahead in the movie we're gonna jump all around uh lucas the priest he was told in the beginning of the movie by his head priest to learn the, learn the language, learn the customs, become one of the people, uh-huh. which, is, uh, which is a kind of colonization because his uh-huh. end goal is to con- is still to convert them. But uh-huh. it's a more like inclusive, if that's the right word to use, which it probably isn't, kind of colonization where he is going to become an Icelandic person, an Icelander? I'm Mm. sure they have their own word for it. Mm -hmm. And he refuses to do that.
1: Yeah. He doesn't really exactly like he doesn't say it. He just by his actions, you can tell that he's just not not the right, not the right pick. And honestly, maybe he was the right pick because, you know, he's uh, I mean, it's colonization and bringing religion uh, into people that. Possibly have their own already and don't need theirs. So,
2: yeah, whatever. He, he was definitely the. the <laughs> I have
1: strong feelings about <laughs> about this, <laughs> this part. So, really quick, I just gonna spoiler. Um, I fucking hated Lucas from the beginning, even though he was the photographer, didn't like him, hated his stupid face, and I continued to loathe him for the entire movie. And every single time he did something that I didn't like, I was like, mm. See, told you, didn't like the guy, never did. Never liked him. I
2: I liked him at first. Uh I wanted okay, I wanted to like him at first cuz that's what, how the movie sets him up. He is he is your protagonist. He is the main character. He is the 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 eyes through which you see all of the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Almost all
1: where, of it. Where where does it say that the main character has to be loved.
2: No, it doesn't. But I was I was ready to go that route. In a, in a typical narrative, in a hero's journey type of narrative, that's what you're going to do. You're going to follow mm-hmm. the main character. And I did. And at first he was on the boat with the translator and they were going back and forth. They were learning. The, he, he was teaching him the language and he couldn't get it. And I related to that because I have a really hard time learning new languages. Mm-hmm. So I related. Okay, he's trying. I would be trying. He is a photographer. And he's trying to teach the people he's ph- photographing like on the boat he had the he photographed the crew he was trying mm-hmm. to get them to sit still so he could take what it was like an 8 second exposure yeah. and they wouldn't and it was frustrating and i get that frustration of things photographically just not working out yeah and so when then lucas landed in iceland he had to get outfitted with a bunch of horses mm-hmm. and he had a hard time riding a horse and i think as much as I adore horses, I would have a hard time riding a horse. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's I'm a short guy, even though these were Icelandic ponies. Mm-hmm. I I don't. They're know. not
1: ponies; they're Icelandic horses. Oh, Icelandic
2: horses. They look very pony-like,
1: though. They do, but I will. I I would I would like to put my two cents in here after you're done with your no. your sentence.
2: Uh, please please go clear up the horses versus ponies.
1: Okay, so I am super excited because I just got to brush an Icelandic horse, you guys. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Randomly. So if you looked on my Instagram, you probably saw a picture of my friend Rachel, like petting a horse. Well, the lady that owned the horse uh, came out and I talked to her and I asked her if I could hang out with her the next day and brush her horses. I would help her out a little because she was older. Um, And I would be able to take some photographs. So we kind of did a little trade. Uh, so I got to spend some time with her and kind of learn more about the breed. And uh, very interesting. The, so the one I got to brush was the mother, who's a little more calm. And the Icelandic horses have a almost like burrows have a stripe down the middle of their spine on their back, the color. And if you looked in the movie, there were, there were several of them that had that. She also said that when she had the baby, which is the Brown horse in the picture that I took, Mm -hmm. um, she took the DNA and had to send it to, like, get it, like, registered because it is kind of, like, this thing with, like, the breed and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, it was – it's really interesting. Their hair uh, grows really long in the wintertime and then it sheds down and it gets really short in the summer. So, it was really kind of cool to see um, all of them kind of more on their – with their summer coats. But then, uh, later on, the the younger – the younger sister had one of the horses that, and it had the long, the long hair, which I thought was stunningly beautiful and kind of perfect for her character in general. I think just, uh, it was her horse. It was exactly her personality and, and being able to have like a little bit of an experience with this like this type of horse randomly like a month before I watched this movie was so weird I've never even knew that there was an Icelandic horse and (laughs) that they were like these like special like rare horses or whatever so it was such a it was really cool that it just kind of like came together and (laughs) I was like there's Icelandic horses in this movie oh this is so cool so yeah
2: well that was That's that it. was my selling point to you. Yeah. This movie is about Icelandic horses and nothing. That's else. why I went. That yeah. was the only reason. I, I really tricked her into it. Um, see, I, I, I saw a lot of myself in Lucas at first. I mean I, that obviously changed. but how
1: <laughs> I was he, like, I
2: hated him though. I don't hate you. Well. well no, but I did. I mean, when they were the first time they were camping,
3: everybody, mm-hmm. like all
2: the old men and the, and like the, all, the, all the like the packers or whatever they were called there. Uh, set up a campfire, and he went to take photos with the translator as like an assistant, and that's what I would do, you know. Uh, okay, we're established in camp. I'm gonna go and take some photos, and it's so like, yeah, this is what I would do. And he found a beautiful green valley. Oh my god, stunning! Oh, and that like, like a canyon, really?
1: It was ridiculous. It was like the Grand Canyon if it had like rained and there was a super bloom of like green yeah it was just ridiculous it was so beautiful and it was and you know that place is real and you're just like how (laughs) all the reasons why i didn't want to go to iceland i'm like now i'm like oh god i know it's a popular place to go but god damn it i want to go
2: there so bad well that's the thing i think iceland is a very popular place to go but the places where they filmed this aren't Mm -hmm. the places where most people go in ireland and uh iceland okay so there's that, I guess. I don't know. So I pictured him, you know, myself doing that. But as the film wore on, he he becomes more and more detached from mm-hmm. anything like, uh, like, he, like friendly or human. He becomes more angry. There's one scene where they're crossing a river, and like I said in in the intro. The river is, is has risen because of all of the rains, and Ragnar, the guide, says, "No, we got to hold back for a couple of days." And Lucas is like, "No, we're crossing now."
0: Mm-hmm. And it isn't and
2: it isn't even like we're crossing now; God will take care of us. It's just that we're doing this.
1: Yeah, um, showing a little bit of his stubbornness, but also maybe like you know, I came here for this purpose, and this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I think honestly, it was complete disrespect to the native person that lives there that has crossed that river probably his entire life. And I just thought it was kind of like the stupidest thing that he could have done. And it was, again, it was like, yeah, of course you're going to make that fucking mistake. Well, Lucas, I guess again with the, mis- <laughs> with thinking, you know, know what you're doing because you got God on your side. <laughs> well, it was, it was um
2: kind of a, a betrayal for me because I was really, I I put myself in his shoes. You know, I wouldn't necessarily do what he was doing as far as the colonialism thing goes, but visiting another place and wanting to photograph it, yeah, absolutely, I'm there. And so when he did that, it's like, oh, I wouldn't do that. And so when a main character really betrays that, it it really, it brings everything else that they've done into a a different focus. And Mm -hmm. of course, it refocuses you for anything they're doing in the future.
1: Well, also too, it makes it a little bit more... Real because people, people are like that. Yeah. You know, people are, have you, I've traveled with people that are like that and I don't travel with them anymore because <laughs> they aren't flexible and, and they can't like take no for, for an answer. Like it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit unsettling. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a, Odd situation. I thought things were gonna be fine. Obviously, they were not fine. <laughs> so I want to talk
2: about the photography stuff. It wasn't mm-hmm. a movie about photography, I guess. Though it kind of was in a way. I still don't Oh gosh. I don't there was
1: definitely some moments that I was like, Yeah, know how you feel there. Yeah. When he got pissed and like threw his tent, like his it was <laughs> developing like a tent room. on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. We 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 all experience these frustrations, which is why his character was so frustrating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, the dog. Oh my god! So, um, Ragnar's dog, kind of like the cutest dog ever. They were trying to get a like a portrait. And he mumbles that the dog stayed more still than Ragnar did, which I thought was really fucking funny. Because it would be something that I would say. I'd be like, okay, hold still. And then as soon as you say that, they're like moving around. You're like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me.
2: Like <laughs> you had one job.
1: Literally one job. But ooh, we should. Let's talk a little bit about um the, the paint on the faces. I think that was like a very interesting. And I wouldn't have understood it if you hadn't mentioned it to me before I watched the movie. So well, thank you. I think, okay. Uh, I kind of want to do it. Well, like, yeah, I'm, what excite- it does, I'm excited it, about it.
2: it. What's practical, it, it lightens your face so that it doesn't get lost in, in the in the shot.
1: And what we're talking about is basically there's a couple times where he's taking portraits of people and he puts a basically like a white paste on their face, Yeah, like a
2: zinc or something, maybe. Yeah, and
1: it looks odd because you're just like, okay, they look like like
2: <laughs> you look <at> their own <laughs> like they're in white face, not not like a yeah. mine. It's not that intense.
1: <laughs> no, but it's it's weird.
2: And yeah, he, he said he does that to lighten it in in the uh, in the plate, you know, in the, in the final. So the final photo the face is highlighted and everything Mm -hmm. else can go dark. And I I don't know. I don't know if that was a a thing that they did there. I don't know if it was, I mean, the, the, these Icelandic people weren't darker skinned in any way. They looked like Europeans. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of them were from Denmark, you know, several decades before. So. Yeah.
1: But also mm -hmm. most of the film looked like it was shot in overcast and I could see how, you know, and, it's not like they got Photoshop. They can't just like you know mess the curves up, do a little bright min- brightness and adjustment. Yeah. So and, and it makes sense. Yeah. And
2: these these glass plates are positives, so he can't even do anything while developing it to no. like you know uh, burn or or dodge anything. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Do you remember the scene where he is doing something to a glass plate prior to taking the photo?
1: Of course the egg white the egg white
2: and the the weird powder silver i asked a couple of people what he was doing i sent them the clip of Mm. it and according to vanessa at armadillo tintypes we've had her on as a guest i love her he is subbing the glass that's what she said it didn't make Mm -hmm. any sense so i said what the fuck does that mean She's, but she thinks uh, that he's either doing it differently or the film editor put the, that sequence together out of order. Hmm. So at first, he takes a rock
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he strafes it along the edges of the glass. That's burring the edges. or Yeah, so it's not sharp. And- is what I would have called it, I guess. Deburring the edges. So it's mm-hmm. not sharp, exactly. Uh, and so sh- she says, um, so you burr the edges and then you use albumin, which is an egg white, mm-hmm. around the edges, which acts as a grip for the collodion. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it can just flake and slide off. And the collodion is the, the, what will be applied later, um, which is the, uh, basically the emulsion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So one thing that is out of order, she says, is the powder, which is uh, calcium bicarbonate, which mm-hmm. I think is used to clean the glass. So the sequence I learned would be to burr the edges, then add the calcium bicarbonate and alcohol. I don't know if he was using alcohol. It looked like water, but alcohol Mm -hmm. does make sense. To the plate and really scrub it and then albumin the edges, let it dry slightly, then apply collodion, sensitize, and shoot. Uh, And she says, I am lazy and do none of these steps except burr.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So... I would like to know actually what that was because I was assuming that he had silver in pow in powder form in that little bottle and that he was like putting basically silver straight onto the plate in his own little mixture and then and then mix like basically just mixing it and then obviously sensitizing it later somehow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't
2: know. I don't, no, I don't think that. No, it was definitely cleaning the glass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I
1: that makes sense, but I mean. For normal people, it just looks like an old process. But yeah, that that definitely like was interesting. It was and interesting I do... and
2: accurate, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I had um, Chris uh, Vistaver on on Instagram. Mm. He emailed me yes. and he asked, or messaged me and he asked, you know how how photographically accurate is the movie? Because we see a lot of movies with photographers in it, and they're cut by people who aren't photographers and it's always a little wonky and i told Mm -hmm. him like this is this is a thing they were actually making these plates they made i think seven of seven plates while there we actually get to see a couple of them being made
1: barely though and i think that uh i i get it because most people that are going to watch this are not like into the process and probably want to see it, but I felt it was a little bit of a disservice that they didn't show more of the plates. Like what? they did show, uh, the older sister, her face was painted in white and he did a close up portrait of her and they did show the plate of her when they were in the dark room together and that was kind of like a little moment obviously
2: she was uh, adorable inside the dark room tent
1: oh my god she was the cutest also being inside like a dark room with like your love oh my god that's just like i mean photography like daydream <laughs> boyfriend okay except not lucas fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> fuck so lucas. anyways i i um I, I enjoyed looking at that plate and it, it was, I was able to see what the the mask kind of looked like in the portrait. So it, it it made, like it kind of just at least made for photography sense, like that was like a really important part. I do feel like they should have added more of the pictures. Okay, They do kind of in the end, but not exactly. They But they do it in a specific way that I enjoyed
2: though. We see two finished plates. Yes. Uh, we see Anna's, and we also see the translators. Yes. Um, the translator, which is the, the, the one that he took overlooking the canyon that we the were green, just talking about. Green the green
1: green canyon. canyon, yes. Um,
2: why? Why just those two? Now, he didn't take a lot of photos, and he took almost none while traveling across <laughs> Iceland.
1: I think I know the answer to that. Yeah, I would like to I know. think those are the only two people that he cared about. I think that he wanted to document his experience, but out of like the harshness and weather and frustration with the people and um, being exhausted and tired, he set out to make a goal and to photograph the land, and it was just a little bit overwhelming. So at the end, the fact that they only showed those two portraits – was interesting because it seemed like those were the only two people he really cared about at all.
2: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, I don't know if I really even thought of it that way. I was really kind of confused. Like, I know they were the, the, the two most important people in his life in the movie. Yes. And yeah, they're the two people that he cares, cares most about. And he doesn't really give a shit about them very much at all. No, they're the ones exactly. that he. If he were writing home, he would probably mention those two. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a that's about it. Um, now there is one of my I think my, my my favorite scene in the movie is with Ida and her horse. Ida is the, the youngest younger, daughter, mm-hmm. and the horse is the Icelandic horse the smaller, with the
1: long hair. With
2: the long hair.
1: Oh my gosh, it's now, the best!
2: He I'm you, sorry. you come on the scene and he's has behind the behind the camera. And she is, I don't know the exact order on it, but she's talking to him and she's standing on the horse mm-hmm. and says, take a picture of me like this. And he was like, no, mm-hmm. just take a normal picture. And then-
1: it, rem- it had Evelyn Cameron vibes. I was like, It oh.
2: did. And I don't know how that's not purposely done, right? I mean, that has yeah. to be, there's some connection there. And it was very much like an Evelyn Cameron.
1: Someone, whoever helped with the script or with the photography or the videography of that movie had seen that Evelyn Cameron photo. They have had had to.
2: Had to. Um, And so she sat down on the horse backwards. And Mm -hmm. he was like, no, we're doing a normal photo. And then she lays down and then, no, no, no. And then she sits with her back to the camera. Mm -hmm. And that's like, this is a, all of those were good photos. Her with the back to the camera was probably the, was, was perfect. And mm-hmm. he's not seeing this. And the whole time I'm just like, one, do it because, you know, you have um a happy young lady who is is interested in in your in your camera and wants to be photographed and you're gonna make her happy. So just take the fucking picture. Mm-hmm. But he wants to take a normal, a normal photo. And he says, like, your father wouldn't like that photo because it's silly or whatever. That's
1: why she turned around and said that oh, her father would like that one. Yes, which, or the, of, of her back. That's turned. right.
2: Which says a lot about her father.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I loved her. She was such a great character. Um, she did such a good job, yeah. and her horse, just everything about her was fantastic. Yeah. And and it was really it really solidified uh, why I hated Lucas so much because it was everything that I enjoy about photography. Um, kind of the the moment that is happening in front of you, and how you can be so stuck in your ways that you 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 lose that opportunity to actually um, photograph something like super magical yeah. uh, that that's happening. Uh, she's a young she's a young girl that's playing, and um, I get it. You know, it's it was like a hundred and. 30 years ago where you're not supposed to you know have a good time but uh i think it was just a missed opportunity for for a perfect photograph when she was standing on the horse yeah. or actually every and, single pose them, was perfect yeah. um
2: and he missed the photo completely he got no photo out of that
1: yeah because, because the horse, he waited
2: yeah he waited he, too yeah, long and the away. horse walked away and well yeah she giggled and, then, and I think he found some humor. I think he smiled. He
1: there, did, because I think the horse was like, okay, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Like, all right, you're not gonna take this picture. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so that re-endeared me to him a little bit because he smiled mm-hmm. just like, okay, he's in on it. And I, I guess I don't know how you couldn't be, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. There was a definite connection that he had with the younger daughter too. And she, had, she definitely had with him. I don't want to spoil the ending of it, but- The very end of the movie really solidifies Ida, the the daughter, as like the perfect character.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. She was big heart, beautiful person. And honestly, um, just having someone new in town, I could imagine living in a place where you only see your sister and your horses and... And, and you're friends with the chicken. You're friends with your animals to the point where you know that you killed the rooster's favorite chicken yeah. and the rooster's pissed off now. So, um, I really like that when she like covered like the chicken's eyes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of my favorite, honestly. And when I thought this like there was a sex scene coming, I did the same thing to Marley and I co- I was like, oh no, here we go. And I like went to cover her eyes like the chicken. I was like, you can't see this part. <laughs> but yeah, that was like one of my like there was so many parts of this movie that were just beautiful images. I would have I would have literally picked up horseshit to hang out on this movie um, just to watch it being made. Yeah. Because it was so f- beautiful, like stunning, just the landscape, everything,
2: Uh well, Let's talk so, a little bit about how it was made. Yes. Um, it was shot on film. I don't know if we even mentioned that. It was shot on film. Hey, everybody. <gasps> it, they <gasps> shot it using old mechanical cameras.
1: Yes. Uh, not the
2: windy ones, but they older cameras. Yes. Um, because, because they couldn't take electrical equipment where they were going, mm-hmm. there was no place to plug it in. The batteries and the generators would have been too heavy. There was no trucks that there was no way to get trucks there. So a lot of the equipment was hauled in on horseback,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so they would film with an incredibly minimal crew, and they shot uh, 250D and 500T, I believe, is their emulsions of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, they use mostly wide angle lenses, I think like 25 or 28 millimeter and 50 millimeters. Like it's not that wide. I'm thinking large format. This is 35. So wide ish and uh, a fairly well, normal lens. I,
1: honestly, the, the vastness of the landscape it wouldn't even matter. You could have any kind of lens and it would just look just and they do actually play on that a little bit with some of the scenes where they do some some like wide shots which they must have gotten like a helicopter or something to do
2: yeah there there was a lot of well there there was a lot of b-roll stuff too that they I'm sure they got but they would mm-hmm. do these long like minute long pans mm-hmm. across the landscape of of people moving or of of just the land, it was a very, mm-hmm. it was very slow. It was a very slow movie.
1: It was, but it was like you could just hear what was happening. Either it was the rain or the river flowing in the background. It was relaxing. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, that Seinfeld baseline in the background, like all you know, like it was, it was just. This it movie has almost
2: just, nothing in common with Seinfeld. I'm it's sorry. It's weird. Yeah,
1: not at all. So if you like that, I'm gonna. I'm, you're gonna hate this movie. It it was so. I told Marley that it was shot in film, and I did mention that I'm like the worst movie person, and I like was whispering to her a little bit here and there. Uh, Because I was like, isn't it pretty? The color. Because it was the color of the movie. The richness of the color um, was gorgeous in a way that I, maybe I'm just an idiot and think that it's just better because it's not digital. But I get it. Like you see some digital, uh, if you've gotten a TV in the last like 10 years, the first time you turn it on, you're like, whoa, like, you can see everything and it's a little it's almost a little too much it's a little scary this is different this has a richness like it is it is not milk chocolate it is 100 percent dark chocolate <laughs> okay <laughs> it is rich and beautiful it it's like you're immersed in every single scene the I, Iceland, obviously, like the snow, the color of the snow, the textures, the lava, the rocks, the mountains, the rivers. I mean, it's just stunning. And the ratio that they they uh, frame the movie in is so beautiful. You know how I am about my film edges. I love me some film edges. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to be very happy right now
2: (laughs) yeah they have you can see the edge of the uh of the frame in it Mm -hmm. and it's it's really wonderful it's shot in academy ratio which is like almost like a a four three almost
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just velvety there was something velvety about it and it just it there was a movie that you made me go see i think it was lighthouse oh yeah yeah um and that was also shot in film too
2: half and half yeah
1: but it was half and half. Yeah, this had a different feeling, and I kind of wish. And and honestly, like what we were talking about earlier with my stuff, like filming for this project, I feel like you just got to go all in. And they did with this movie. Yeah, and they it really did, and it worked. And it worked. It it it's it's gorgeous. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of comparisons to the lighthouse with this too. I mean, they they yeah. feel like if you're going to show a double feature, not a bad one to have.
1: Oh my god! I would be so like exhausted by the end of that, though. That's true. <laughs> There's Wha- one more scene. There's one more scene that
2: I want to talk about. Yeah, and that's the horse decaying scene.
1: <gasps> oh my god! Amazing. Yes. S- uh, also, yes. I have I have some opinions about it as well. So go on. Okay,
2: well, I want to tell. I want to explain um, what the director said about it. I want to read? Perfect. that. Perfect. It says we have a 35 millimeter camera and built this kind of bridge over the horse that's over the dead horse lying on the ground. So I crawl up there and I put the camera but I put on the camera and film and in the process of doing that I think about the film. I really enjoy this studio life. I go, I film, I think about it. So when I start writing, it doesn't feel like I'm inventing anything. So he built at least a chunk of the movie around the horse decaying scene hmm. and so this was his father's horse i think all of the four of the horses were his father's and the actually directors. all of the horses get credits they're credited
1: that's amazing also adorable. the horse died of natural causes yes
2: it was before obviously before they were they were filming and so mm-hmm. over the course of two years this is i think he started filming this back in in 2014 um he filmed Ah, uh, five seconds or ten seconds, or whatever it is every every season or so. And so you mm-hmm. get like eight or nine ish clips um uh, from the exact same position of the horse decaying into the ground of the of the ground kind of taking over the horse's body. Mm-hmm. and it's it's it sounds like a gross shot. It's not there's there's it's not though. I mean, it's it's not like a you don't see entrails or blood. It isn't a Hollywood production. I mean,
1: there's definitely some entrails in that movie though. There are, yes. There is one moment where I'm like, I, like I wanted to like be like, nudge Marley like, see, this is how you, if you want to eat meat, this is how you got to do
2: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> doesn't come in a package.
2: It, it was, uh, yeah, there was, there was a, a couple disturbing scenes like that. But um, this was not one of them. I, I found th- this to have um, like a dignity to it when you have, Something when you, when you see nature reclaiming something, uh, especially a body, there is a and there should be a dignity to that. We also have another scene similar to that where there is that dignity as well, even though it may not be deserved. Um, I I I find it, I found it just like stunning and just fucking beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was it was gorgeous. I I cannot agree more. I have a lot of feelings about it. I I think when we When I watched the movie, I called you and we talked a little (laughs) bit about it. And I did mention that when I went up to see the train thing last June, I went and stayed at my um, aunt's house in Mount Shasta. Yeah. And she took me to one of her where her favorite horse was who had died. She had put uh, the body down in like a certain area of... Like this 10 acre property that she was running. And, uh, she's like, I haven't been here in over a year, but let's, let's go take a look. So she went to see how the bones were doing. And she's like, Oh, it looks like maybe like a couple more seasons. And, you know, I can, I could probably, um, take, get, get her, her head or, you know, like bring the skull back into my life, basically. And I thought it was just such a, beautiful moment. Uh, not only because like she obviously had this like strong connection to the horse, but also she was kind of letting nature take its course and, and, and bleaching out the bones and making them beautiful for her to be able to, um, keep, which I thought was, was really neat. Um, I mentioned recently (laughs) to you that I want, there's a company in, um, in Seattle who, basically compost you
2: oh sure yeah, uh, yeah
1: and i am like obsessed i am obsessed i think it's so <laughs> fantastic i want to be dirt i want to be composted i want someone to turn me into a plant that is fantastic <laughs> maybe a ficus so i never die or a succulent please but like oh my gosh i just the f- i think it's brilliant i think it's a great idea and also as far as like this movie and how wild the landscape was and how that was just the natural course of things. When people or things die, they decay into the ground and the and and basically the land overtakes them again. And it's weird how we don't really do stuff like that anymore. That's not really, you know, there's more of a ceremony or we we pump pump think people with like chemicals or we we burn them and things we don't just let things decay naturally and like kind of you know be basically recycled back into the ecosystem i guess i would yeah. say
2: yeah it's, it's no longer dust to dust <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah so it, it it was it was beautiful i i think that in an art perspective and again I don't have a degree, you guys. Okay, this is just my <laughs> opinion. I I thought that I came out very enlightened and motivated. This, again, this movie kind of was perfect timing for me as far as, like, my project. And I'm actually doing, like, some Super 8. Obviously not 35 because that shit's expensive. But, you know, doing a Super 8 film and... Just getting my, just getting my first footage back and being able to watch it and then go watch like an actual, like professionally shot movie was really exciting. And I took a lot from it. Um, the panning shots, the changing landscapes, the time lapses, it, it just, it made, it, it kind of got inside me and I, I had, been writing some notes down on some scenes that I really want to incorporate into the movie. And the horse scene is one of, I'm not saying I'm going to go kill a horse, obviously, but the horse scene really affected me in that way. And it's one of my biggest um, wants is because of that scene. And so basically the time lapse of the horse decaying, I thought was Brilliant and beautiful, and I felt like I would like to incorporate something like that into like my movie. So I will be doing something similar, but not with a dead body. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, on a sunny day, I would like to have my board flipped up where my fin is up, and you can kind of see the light into the fin because it almost looks like candy, like hard candy. It's really pretty. Um, it's one of my most of my fins are like candy colored, like. Like either orange or red or pink or something, and when the sun shines through it, it it it's really vibrant, right? Yeah. And I was like, how cool would it be to set up a camera with time lapse? And you can, I already looked it up, and you can rent a time lapse for a sixteen millimeter and eight. So that's cool. Um, set it up so it's almost like a sundial, and have that shadow kind of rotate around the board for, like, that entire day and just film it. And I was like, this is, like, I was like, it's not exactly the dead horse scene, but I'm taking inspiration in my own way with it, and I was like, like, I really want
2: to do it. (laughs) So, I guess uh, you would recommend this movie, especially to photographers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I would, too.
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. I I mean, honestly... (sighs) I was a little bit worried about Marley.
2: Yes, what did Marley think of it? Dude,
1: she actually like really liked it. And uh, it kind of makes me sad. I am not a good movie goer. I, it's hard for me to get to the point where I want to sit down for two hours and watch a movie for some reason.
2: Yeah, that's okay, you know, but when you can do it, you can do it.
1: I really should. Uh, She was great. She loved the movie. Um, I liked her opinion. Of course, it was a little slow for her, and we made fun of you because we're like, wait a minute, there's subtitles? Like, uh, we had to give Eric a little bit of shit. Also, I parked across the street, and it was $10, and I am going to be sending an invoice <laughs> to Altered <laughs> Lens to <laughs> reimburse me for that. Also, wanted to mention something. This theater is like a fancy, like, indie theater Honestly, really affordable. I was really um, impressed with not only the popcorn prices, but also the tickets to see the movie. It was was fairly cheap. It was $12.50, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was
1: like, whoa. Yeah. But they obviously knew it was $10 to park across the street, so there's that. There is something else I want to tell you about it, though. Okay. (laughs) So it's on 2nd Street in Santa Monica, and... It used to be, I'm pretty sure, it used to be the Pussycat Theater. <laughs> oh, seriously? <laughs> which is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's like a sexy time theater. Um, yeah. The the front of the building is completely replaced, unfortunately, which yeah. is such a shame. But uh, yeah, the Pussycat. Wow. So okay. you guys remember well, that on 2nd Street?
2: It's only yeah. available to be seen in theaters. When it comes to physical media, I'll let you know. And if it comes to streaming, I will also let you know. I am really looking forward to the director commentary and hoping that he goes into like the, the behind-the-scenes stuff a bit more because that's uh-huh. fascinating for me.
0: All the technical
2: uh-huh. stuff. So there we go. That's Ghostland. Not Ghostland. That is Godland, not Ghostland. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wait, Ghostland?
1: Ghostland is... um, Is that... Movie with bouchems, right? No,
2: that's uh, that's Ghost World.
1: Ghost World. Ghost World, okay. Yes. This I'm is all uh... <laughs> I don't this know this if you God guys know
2: this. And but... uh... Ooh, we'll be right back. So we've got some zine reviews to do before we let you go. But first we wanted to hit up our last answering machine message. This is from Jamie
3: Maldonado. Hello, this is Jamie Maldonado. It's been a while. To me, to improve my photography means a couple of things. First, there's always the technical side, which is like, it's nice when you start getting most of your photos in focus or when you hit exposure a lot more frequently. And consequently, you wind up having most of your frames on your film turn out most of the time. That feels really good. And also it just gets out of the way because you don't get the frustration of missed frames and so on. And then there's the deeper level, which is like clarity of, uh, I guess, clarity of communication, like getting across an idea, even one that's like in the back of your mind or some kind of vision for your art, getting that across more easily and and more clearly or closer to how whatever picture you had in your mind, even if it's like the little voice in the back of your head, whatever that had in mind, you do a better job of managing
2: Oh, it looks like the answer machine cut him off. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness! Sometimes. Did we run out of tape? We Do we have to re- we have to rewind? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, flip it over. We got B side, baby.
2: <laughs> so he was talking um, about clarity of vision about about being able to um, get the photos that you see in your mind. And yes, that I mean, honestly, that's that's pretty much my answer to this. Should we just go into Can our you- own answers for this? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's fuck it. Come on. What's your answer for this?
1: (laughs) Oh, shit. Me first.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'll go first. (laughs) And it's just that I wrote about it a little bit today about how I feel that I'm getting to the point in my photography where I'm at the beginning stages of being able, sort of, to look at a scene and then decide, okay, I want this emulsion, I want this lens, I want this aperture and I'm gonna combine them all and that, and it's going to look like this specific image that's in my head. And I'm getting okay. to the point where I'm feeling more comfortable doing that. And so the original question, what does, is, uh, what does improving your photography look like to you? What does that mean to you? And that's what that means to me, is that I can translate the image that's in my head to the camera. Or Mm -hmm. even, you know, backing up a little bit before that is have an image in my head so that I'm not just like looking at a scene and going, pretty, taking a picture, though that Mm -hmm. does happen a lot. But being Mm -hmm. able to interpret the scene and then capture that interpretation on film, that's what improving photography means to me. Vanya, what does improving your photography mean to you?
1: (sighs) Okay, well, here's the thing. like, And like most of our answering machine um, answers, I agree with most most of our listeners of course. What, what they have to say. I, I really do. But I also didn't want to say like, yeah, basically what you guys said. Same thing. I'm okay with doing um, that. <laughs> I think, Me too. I <laughs> I am also in a different place in my photography lately. And I'm gonna try my hardest not to throw up in my mouth right now. But basically what I feel like improving my photography is is being more well-rounded in all aspects. And, like, yeah, I want to be a better developer, printer, all the things that everybody said. But also this part, I want to learn how to market myself better. I know, gross, gross, super gross. I know. It's not not a good look. I don't like it. I don't like to sell myself. I hate it, actually. It's, like, one of my least favorite things. Um, I like to give things away all the time i am a terrible person um i bought cookies the other day and then i gave them all away (laughs) i had i had a cookie but then i ended up giving all of them away also it was kind of an impulse buy i was only in there to buy one cookie and then i it was my turn in line and i was just like give me a half dozen cookies ah so yeah it was terrible it happens
2: to the best of us
1: but i guess as far as like Where I am in my photography right now is I am basically starting over in my life as of right now. I'm 40. I'm getting a divorce. My daughter is two years away from graduating high school and I don't want to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) I have a job that I'm keeping temporarily, but I would really like to just focus on doing more photography projects and and kind of just living hustling basically with with those things I know it's <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work and I'm going to need to really focus myself into learning a not so gross dirty way to market myself <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I will be doing you guys
2: well, look. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know what to say. It. I guess. I guess marketing yourself does free you up, in and in some ways, if if the marketing is successful, to be able to afford to give some things away.
1: Absolutely. You know. You know well, like the Polaroids. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, like the Polaroids. I'm. I mean I could obviously add the cost of the polaroid film into you know into the project but you know taking the time to take those photos taking the time to make the album will be on my own time but here's the one thing that has like made it so clear in my mind when I wake up every day I think about photography I think about film I think about photography I think about light it's I think about this podcast. This is what I am obsessed with. I am (laughs) in love with this. And I want, I've been telling my kids (laughs) their whole life (laughs) to not give a shit about money and to do what makes them happy. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror like, what the? Like, yeah, obviously, I have been able to give the opportunities to them, like live in a nice area where they can go to a really nice school. Um, I was able to purchase my, my sprinter because I work my fucking ass off, but I need to start taking my own advice. Uh, It's never too late. I think it's time really to focus on, look, I love this. I've been doing this my entire life and I've been doing it on the side because I never felt like I was serious enough or good enough to be serious. You know, it's more of that um, imposter syndrome. Type.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I just got to stop it. Stop it with that. I love this. I, I will do. I am literally swimming in, shark infested waters with a 645 water housing and a super eight camera one in each hand
2: <laughs> uh, yeah you should get paid for that
1: all yeah also it's like the the it is freezing and like if anybody lives in the san francisco area or santa cruz area they could tell you the water is not tropical it is not warm it is cold this is like a labor of love i love doing this I want to do this. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just solidifying like my answer to I'm I'm really just basically talking
2: to myself right now. <laughs> that is completely okay.
0: <laughs> oh
2: my goodness.
1: Okay, well, So we got some zine reviews. We're actually just going to do two this time, but we have a ton. Um, I just had a conversation with someone. I asked them to look at something for me and they were like, hey, I'm going to look at it. I just, I need some time. And I totally respect that because I have a stack of zines that I've had and I haven't been able to look at them in a way that I want to. Um, There is like... Something about my brain. (laughs) I have to be ready, just like the movie. I have to be ready to see stuff. Um, I appreciate everybody that has sent me a zine. I have them all. I love them all. Thank you so, so much. I will get back to zine reviews soon. But guess what? Eric has got us covered.
2: I do. I, I, I have two. I've got the first one is Monochromania number nine. I can't believe it's nine already. It's the December issue, so I think I'm a little behind. This is the issue that he, uh, that Mark O'Brien sent a Ansco PIX panorama 35mm camera to Derek Keaton, Eben Ostby, I could be pronouncing that name wrong, and if I am, I apologize, Liz Potter, and himself. Mm -hmm. And so these are cropped panoramas. Remember the old panoramic, the quote-unquote panoramic cameras from the 80s that Mm -hmm. were just thinner pictures, just cropped, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it, still, it does, it, it's silly, but it's mental because it's a way for you to compose the image differently. So Correct. that's what they did. So each tell a little bit about themselves and their experiences with the camera. Derek's, uh, he shot mostly woodland shots, including some vertical panos, which I, I don't usually care for, but I think his, <laughs> I like those. I like them a lot. Uh, Mark, uh he did he he really leaned into the panoramic aspect of it with the big bridges and some urban decay. Evans was a carnival without people and there's very few things that are that are creepier than a peopleless carnival.
1: I know it's slightly terrifying it, but it, I love it so
2: much. And then Liz's I mean she's no stranger to panoramic photos. She does a lot of those and so hers were Hers were Liz. I mean it's it's amazing and, and, and fun deserty photos, including a panoramic diptych, which just warms my heart. Mm-hmm. You can pick this up and please do actually there hasn't been an issue of monochromania that has been a dud.
1: No, they're all really good. All and different. he's on nine issues. It's insane. Yes. He's pumping these out and honestly, Mark he... Keep doing what you're doing because we love it so much. Yeah. I think he's such a great person for this for the film community. Honestly, we oh should God. give him some sort of like if we had like um, the Dundies
2: <laughs> for if, film. If we had a Dun, if we had the Dundies, you would receive uh, a Dundee.
1: Yeah, for, absolutely. Uh,
2: we'd have to come up with some category just for for Mark O'Brien.
1: The Mark O'Brien Award. It would be goes that, to. Yeah.
2: It would be the Mark O'Brien Award. Mark (laughs) O'Brien. And we'll have the link. You can get it at his Etsy shop at MFO Photos on Etsy. Uh, We'll have the link in the show notes. The second one is, I don't know if he's calling this a zine or a book. I would probably call it a book, but maybe he calls it a zine. It is 110 by Garen Kiesel. And it is just that. It is a book full of mostly square-ish 110 photos. The layout- Reminds me a lot, and it is not in a bad way. Reminds me a lot of Nancy Rexroth. Rexroth, I cannot pronounce her name. Nancy Rexroth's book Iowa, where it is um, images with like a dark border that are um, almost, almost incidental in a lot of ways. A lot of these cool. are black and white. A lot of these are color. Most of them are taken. With like a square-ish camera, I don't know 110 cameras very well, so I don't know which one that was in. Um, but uh, I, I, it's, it's one of these books that when you when you pick it up and you you start leafing through it, you you keep leafing through it because there is like a you know there's like a narrative to it and a story and all of that, of course. But it's just so well done. And you you really forget, like with Nancy's uh, Iowa book, Nancy, Nancy and I are on first name basis now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Nancy's book, it's uh, it was all taken on Diana. And so you do at some point forget that she's shooting with what's essentially considered a toy camera.
1: The Plastic Fantastic. The Plastic
2: Fantastic. And that's the same thing with Garen's book here, is that Gare's book, we're probably on first name, for monosyllabic basis right now. <laughs> And uh you do you, you forget that it's that it's on like a one ten camera. You you just and then it's not because like the photos are like these sprawling, amazing landscapes with sharpness and all that. It's not it's not that at all. It's just that the photos are so um what the word that where where it sucks you in. Um mm-hmm. good. Maybe the word is just good. Yeah, that, maybe that they, it, it could be good. You, you can say that. <laughs> so this, I I am don't have a link for you or anything with this, but his name on Instagram is at grain underscore or underscore die, or just search Garen Kiesel. And it comes up, definitely get this book. He he did a, a print run of, of 50 and I don't know how long they'll be around. So definitely get the hell on that. So we thank you both Mark and Garen for, for sending the zines Um, it does. Like when you said, it means so much to us. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, it really does. Um, Another thing that means a lot to us is Patreon. And it's how we keep the, the, the show rolling. If we didn't have Patreon at this point, we could not do the podcast. I think we're at that point where it's, it's necessary in both of (laughs) our lives to have another source of income for this hobby. Uh, Yes. Yeah. It is, it is, like we say in the main show it's made possible by, by our, our patron subscribers. And so if you can, the show will always be free, but if you can throw us some support, uh, we do appreciate it. There are three different levels and the cheapest is a buck an episode. Um, you do get bonus episodes, at the $5 a month level. And we just did a really fun bonus episode where Vanya told us all about her Santa Cruz trip. And we ended up talking about sha na -na. So, I mean, what's not the love? (laughs) The interviews, we do full length interviews at a certain level. And there's always like random photos and and posts and other nonsense. And then when we're traveling in the summers, we we always post a lot to our um, kind of a secret story feed on Instagram for patrons. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, okay, we'll go out on music there, uh, and now we bring it to an end, okay? Okay. Well, Vanya, this is our first and maybe a little longer than we wanted, but our first odd episode I,
1: I'm looking at it. It's almost two hours long.
2: <laughs> well, it's getting there. yeah, we're we're edging towards two hours, which uh, we I don't know if we I apologize.
1: Like, I like edging. It's good.
2: You certainly. Do. What do you have coming up for the rest of the week, Bonnie? Personally? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know how <laughs> personal you want to get, but uh, no, I know I've
1: already, I've already like spilled my guts enough, honestly. But note taking, kind of getting my project like notes together, figuring out my budget for the rest of it. Also, trying to come up with some more money for it. I'm gonna be adding some of the Santa Cruz images on my website. Um, I'm actually doing uh, prints, like digital prints off of their uh, Adorama company that actually does a really, really good job. That's why I have it on there. They're the only ones that I'm going to trust for now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so if you want to help me um, buy gas and stuff, you can buy a print from me or a zine, whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Her zines are for sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, just contact her for all of that. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I I don't have a whole lot going on this next week. I don't think I'm doing anything this weekend. Um, I, I, I Which don't, is kind
1: of amazing, honestly.
2: Well, I do. I, I Yeah, I don't know. Work has been a little stressful lately. So I'm just been kind of mellowing out i am planning a summer trip i do not know where iowa was on the short list i do not know if it is still on the short list i know that i will be visiting idaho though so there is that um probably the montana state as well but i I don't know anything more about that nice yeah and so i'm going through and just finding places especially cemeteries because i think that's where my focus is going to be this year
1: yeah so, I like that.
2: yeah, I've been finding uh, I've been finding a buttload of cemeteries that I'd never known about in Washington. So mm. that's going to be um, going to be a thing for this this spring. so and and probably a bit of the summer. Nice. Maybe, maybe maybe some of the fall. <laughs> probably some of the fall. And probably more than likely. More than likely. So I guess that's everything. Next week, we'll be doing a dev party. So that's one of the things we have coming up next week. And it'll be the first dev party where we answer some of the questions that have been submitted. And we do have questions that have been submitted.
0: Yay! But send in
2: more. If we don't use them this episode, we've got an ass load of, of more dev party episodes coming up. So, any questions at all? We've gotten some about developing, we've gotten some about you and me, Vanya.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: we've gotten um, some about film i guess i don't know we've gotten some questions so that's feel great yeah I'm, I'm so
1: excited i'm very
2: excited and we'll be doing a mr wizard like experiment
1: i'm totally not mad that no one wanted my advice
2: <laughs> well i mean yeah it hasn't happened yet
1: We're do you s- remember when we tried to do like oh like ask ask me for like an ask alice but ask Vanya for advice and <laughs> no one was buying that they were like hell no (laughs) definitely not taking her advice which is probably the best (laughs) advice ever we 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 have had
2: some some failed attempts at things but you know what (laughs) i think they make us stronger and we're a better podcast for for not not doing those things maybe i guess i don't know oh boy well everybody thank you so much for listening uh, we really do appreciate it. You can find me at um at on Instagram at what is I don't I never say this part. It's uh, Yeah uh, uh what is my name on Instagram?
1: Conspiracy of dot cartographer. That's right,
2: and she is at Surf Martian.
1: Oh, you got it. Do you know that one? I, I
2: don't know my own phone number. Same thing.
1: Well, and speaking of Instagram handles, you can Make sure to hashtag your stuff at hashtag All Through a Lens podcast to be featured. Yes, and we
2: do that actually. I've, I've we've gotten a bunch of new people that way oh. uh, that have been submitting. Yeah, so wonderful. Can, so find our podcast wherever you have just found this podcast. If you're new, welcome. If you are old, hi, hi, how's it going? Um, Subscribe and
1: leave us a review because we're a podcast, like a real legit podcast tells you to subscribe and leave reviews. So true, this do. basically solidifies us.
2: That's true. So thank you all so much for listening. We do love you. We do. We do. Um, I don't know if we should say this here or not, but do you want to go shoot? Fuck yeah, I do. Okay. Let's go.
1: Anna kepp til heida sé leika tír í skógi brattar gatur greiðta
0: þrosa og veltrurna só og blíðin að í skógi
3: sá var líkur tröllum frúasum og veltrurinnar só mi au sjóan við hættur að á sé
1: leika í og gróðan endir við að ræti hrúar sómum vel frúnar svo ómi reiðan heima
0: kalskaðs eða eka dýr í ta ítt að litli